All right, how, how, about if we, how about if we all stand? I just feel that this was an intense day for some of you. Have we started the recording yet? Where's Brea? We have? Okay, good. Um, we need to cast off all the bad news that we heard today. And bad news is everywhere, not just on the TV or on the internet. It's everywhere. And we need to just so clear out everything that we've heard that's been in the wrong spirit, that's been bad news, so that God can come with his good news tonight and bring the transformation that he's longing for. So would you just open your hands before the Lord? Father, we just want to give you this day. We want to give you this season of our life. And we want to be in a place like Pastor John just encouraged us yesterday. Surrender. Surrender all. Lord, anything that we've still been holding on to, we just say we, we give it all to you right now. On this Monday evening, we surrender all. And we want you to wash Wash, wash with the water of your word and by the cleansing power of your Holy Spirit. Just wash us, wash us, Lord, from every contaminant that we receive today, from the world, the flesh, or even the evil one. Wash us clean, almighty God. We pray for a renewing of our minds, a washing of our hearts, and a washing over our souls and our hearing. Lord, we want to have ears to hear what your Holy Spirit is saying tonight. So Lord, with our hands outstretched as a sign of our surrender, we give everything to you and we receive you in a greater way. Be magnified in our midst tonight, Lord. Be glorified, be honored, be blessed to the glory of God in Jesus and in his name, nature, authority, person, character. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Ah, boy, I needed that. All right, let's all turn to Matthew chapter 5. I want us to be looking at this while, while I read it. Verses 38 through 42. You know, it's so amazing. Here we are moving to the very end of chapter 5. Of course, there were no chapters when Jesus spoke this. But in a marvelous way, they ended chapter 5 with a double portion of love. We're going to look at the entrance and beginnings of love tonight and going the extra distance. And then next week, the conclusion of Matthew chapter 5, before we have a break for about six weeks, is going to be on indiscriminate love. 
So it's as though the Lord says, listen, I'm, we're going to look at all of these character issues from week after week after week, all throughout the sojourn of chapter 5. But right at the end of chapter 5, you're going to get a double portion of love. Starting in verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist him who is evil. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. And whoever shall force you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him or her who asks of you. And do not turn away from him or her who wants to borrow from you. Wow, let's pray again. Lord, we all need help in living these verses in a greater way. So Lord, I pray that in a way that only you, the perfection of everything, are able to do in a perfect way, and that is speak to our hearts. Give us those gentle nudgings. Let your word come alive in its powerful way to comfort, to convict, to confirm, to strengthen, to encourage, to direct, to show the way. And Lord, I pray that what you hear tonight, not only from what I share, but everything that's going to be shared in our, in our smaller little circles, that you would be really pleased that we could put a big smile on your face tonight. Speak, Lord, your bondservants are listening. Amen. I think it's kind of wonderful how masterful Jesus is in breathing this message. And this particular, as we're moving toward the end of chapter 5, he brings us right back to the beginning of chapter 5 in expounding on the third beatitude, going all the way back to the beatitudes. Now, there were some of you who were not with us in that sojourn of the beatitudes. But the first beatitude was, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Second beatitude is, those who mourn, blessed are those. And third is, blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. When Jesus lived on the earth over 2,000 years ago, Rome occupied Israel. And Roman soldiers could force an Israeli citizen to carry his burden the distance of one mile. I thought about that today. And I want you to just think, 
if someone had the authority to command you to carry their groceries from H-E-B to their home a mile away with 100-degree weather? What would your attitude be like during that mile journey of carrying their bags? Mm. The law was designed to keep the soldier from taking advantage of the civilian, even though it was built into it. Asking anyone to walk a mile carrying your load, that's already a heavy burden. But this law was built that it wouldn't be that excess. And because God wants righteousness to be practical, Jesus addressed the current situation of his day that they all understood very well. And he gave his listeners, his listeners a great practical illustration because probably all of the disciples had walked at least one mile and had a Roman say, hey, you, come over here. So it was spot on. And he taught them that through the example of going a second mile, that love goes the extra distance beyond what we are compelled to do. I want you to turn. Let's start out with the Old Covenant. So let's turn to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. I'll tell you, you just mentioned that word and music starts going. Here, it's still going. Deuteronomy chapter 19. Starting in verse 15. One witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. And if a false witness rises against any man to testify against him of wrongdoing, then both men in the controversy shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who serve in those days. And the judges shall make careful inquiry. And indeed, if the witness is a false witness who has testified falsely against his brother, then you shall do to him as he thought to have done to his brother. So you shall put away the evil among you. Your eye shall not pity. Life for a life, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. God gave a very clear standard of justice for the priests and the judges to follow. And his standard did several things. Number one, it protected against unjust retribution. In other words, getting more or taking more than is fair. Only one eye for an eye, not two. But you know, many times, men and women want more than what is fair because of vengeance and greed. But just retribution kept the judge fair, prohibiting his receiving a bribe or even showing partiality. So that's first, it protected against unjust retribution. Secondly, it was a deterrent, great deterrent. It would cause a man or a woman to think twice before they committed a crime. 
And they knew that the penalty would be exactly what they inflicted upon another person. And thirdly, it held man accountable for his behavior. The judges were to judge offenders and punish them. And the offended person was not ever to get his own revenge. You know, when we avenge ourselves, we end up fostering resentment and violence, and both of which Jesus never condoned. Now let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to, I'm just laying a little foundation. Now let's look at the New Testament, and let's look at Paul's words to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul is sharing this with his close covenant spiritual son. And he says, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. And if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Friends, the law is for the ungodly men and women. Anytime a judicial system looks to protect the guilty and lets them go free without holding to absolutes or even allows a lesser punishment than what their crime deserves, lawlessness is encouraged. And we have that happening today. People are let go People have gotten away with murder. Chaos abounds in our world today because of the increasing humanistic philosophies that give freedoms without holding to absolutes. And in our liberality, we are destroying ourselves. I want you to turn to Ecclesiastes. It's a book we don't read much from, but it has a great scripture that fits perfectly right here. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Just want to read one verse because it is so convicting to the United States of America, not just to our individual lives. Verse 11, Ecclesiastes 8 verse 11, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. There are people sitting in our court systems and in jail that have not gone in front of a court for months, some even years. There is not swift justice. We are violating this scripture in such a powerful way. No wonder the hearts of men and women are fully set on doing evil. Because justice lacks and has fallen in the streets. So in Matthew chapter 5, what Jesus is saying, what he's communicating to these first disciples, 
is that those who are righteous are controlled by a higher law. And he called for the higher law to be obeyed, and that's the law of love as opposed to a law of legalism. And love has always been the true intent of the law. Our love for others, rather than our fear of punishment, should keep us from sinning against one another. And in verse 39 of Matthew 5, Jesus said, not to resist an evil person. Well, what does that mean? Well, the word resist in the, in the Greek language, anastemi, it suggests a vigorous opposition or standing one's ground. And this type of resistance, it reveals stubbornness or even rebellion. So Jesus was preaching instead meekness and love rather than holding your ground. So we're to resist the devil, James 4, 7, but we are not to resist someone out of our own selfishness or even in our own rebellion. Paul writes to the Romans, and this is worth turning to as well. Romans 13, let's go there. In three verses... He gives us a powerful statement that coincides right with what we're looking at of what Jesus said in Matthew 5. Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. Paul writes, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covenant, covet, covet, and if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this one saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Well, since love is the fulfillment of the law, we are not required to demand an eye for an eye. We can lawfully forgive, and then we can turn the other cheek. And as I mentioned earlier, the purpose of the law was to protect a person from unjust retribution and to cause a man to think twice before committing a crime. The higher law of love is fulfilled when we turn the other cheek. Mm. If we are to be perfect, and this verse is coming up in this great Sermon on the Mount, if we are to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, we have to go beyond the law of legalism to the true intent of the law, which is love. We are to respond with God's grace to those who abuse our privileges and demand our possessions. We are to show them the meekness of Jesus and the mercy and the goodness of God, which can lead them to repentance, as crazy as that seems to our human 
finite understanding. Obedience to the word really does go against our flesh, doesn't it? Well, in our text, in this Matthew 5, 38 through 42, that we're looking at tonight, Jesus is not teaching the doctrine of pacifism. These verses are not dealing with the issue of war. They apply to individual believers, not to judicial systems or nations. And also, God is, is not saying that we're to keep turning the other cheek until we're beat to death. Allowing others to abuse us is enabling evil that will bring them under judgment, which is also an unloving thing to do. Also, Jesus uh, is saying that we're not to give away our possessions until we have nothing left unless the Holy Spirit is directing us to do that. Whatever we do, we're to do it out of love because love always desires the highest good of another, always. God calls us beyond legalism that wants to know how far it can go to a love that never considers itself at all. Wow. What a challenge. Love will give up, give up its rights to demonstrate the character of God. Love does not hoard its personal possessions. It gives to him who asks, who wants to borrow. It is more concerned about another's need than about holding on to what he has. The giver takes on the character of Christ, who is his very nature is to give. God so loved the world that he gave. It's his nature. I want you to listen to these words of Acts 20, verse 35. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you know that those words are not in any of the four Gospels? None of the Gospels say it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus gave a personal revelation to the Apostle Paul concerning 